You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night plumes. I wanted to give you a heads up that I won't be here next weekend for an episode because I'm going to Melbourne to see Moulin Rouge and I could absolutely record an episode earlier in the week to try and get that up, but let's not pretend that my life is organised enough for that to happen. So I'm skipping a week and I'll be back uh, the week after. All right, so uh, as I said, of Knives and Night Blooms, and this is chapter 18, a whole chapter for you, At the Cauldron. Calix had never been so cut off from her magic in her life. Not since before she entered the House of Petal, when her guardians dosed her up with magic suppressants for public appearances, out of fear that any of the royal children might accidentally cause an affray. Every time she reached for her power, she felt herself blanketed by darkness, nothingness, a void she did not want to prod at too closely. At one point, she spat out a mouthful of black feathers. Her back itched. She knew it was the skin healing after her recent surgery, but without the ability to get to a mirror, her old anxieties rose up around her. How many lines of poetry this time? How close was she to the end of the verse? The black feather ship had berthed on a tiny island, directly at the place where the River Divine forked in three directions. The cauldron, according to her abductor, There was nothing here, no tavern, no temple, just a cluster of rocks sticking up in the most inconvenient place imaginable. There was traffic everywhere, all manner of boats and ships and barges. They were close to the city now. The river was lined with buildings and roads and industry. Calix stood at the stern of the black ship, staring out at the busy movement of the ships on the water. No one looked her way. No one seemed to even notice that a high-mastered black ship, dripping with black feathers up and down the sails, was moored here, a single still point, rebelling against the flow of the water. The ravens were back hovering along the thin lines of the masts and sails, their beady golden eyes darting every which way. "'He'll come for you,' said the bow. His own eyes looked haunted, and his cheeks were a little too hollow. The mother in Calix wondered when he'd last eaten. The man looked a wreck, clearly not a natural kidnapper. "'Icarus,' she said softly. "'Oh, yes.' He'll come for me. She could feel the threads of the bond that now only connected her to four servants, Mardi, Valeria, Icarus, Dio, all strong. Mardi must have survived the arrow, and Valeria had survived whatever strange magic was thrown at her. They would come for her. Icarus would save her. She had no doubt. He hated her too much to let someone else kill her. Who hired you? she asked. 
Who has the arrogance and the resources to pay four servants of the Black Raven to kill a petal of the Imperium? I don't need to know, said the bow. I haven't turned my back on everything I believe in. Clearly not, said Calix, with a glance up at the feathered sail. She had thought releasing the barge's crew from her bond might have freed up some of her magic, given her more to work with. But here, surrounded by the black raven and his feathers, she only felt dull and exhausted. I want to go home. Dio kept darting looks at Valeria. She seemed fine, more than fine. In the light of day, she was standing tall, her formal black jacket buttoned neatly, and her soft trousers tucked into those shining boots. Last night he'd seen his death in her eyes, and when the, dr when the drug overwhelmed her restraint, monster. He was lucky to have got off with a dunking, especially considering the bloodshed she caused at the frisky foxglove. Valeria's eyes were back to their normal colour now. No dangerous gleam of unnatural emerald to warn him she was dangerous. She was merely the ordinary amount of dangerous. The silken hair continued to move south. They were nearly at the cauldron and three crows, named because of how the river forked there, becoming three rivers named Coronus, Corby and Corax. Corby led east to the coast, Corax led south to Delpha, and Coronas twisted and turned southwest-south to Phoenix Burning, the capital city of the Divine Kingdom, their final destination. Icarus said they would find the bow and Calyx at the cauldron. Dio knew it must be true, because the magical bond that infused his bones and skin was tugging him in that direction. If the barge turned round to sail upriver, he believed it would tear him to pieces. Mardi slept through the day, as the healing charms and potions of the scary owl lady did their work. Icarus hovered near Valeria, as if he did not entirely trust her not to start murdering people all over again. Nimue was quiet, as she had been since her mother first disappeared in a cloud of feathers. Dio knew he should tell Icarus or Valeria about Aiden. They had to know him, surely. There couldn't be an endless supply of beautiful men with a taste for black feathers floating around the River Divine. He had to be a priest, one of them. But Aidan had asked him to keep a secret, and besides, it was a dream, wasn't it? Dio should tell them about his nighttime visitor, but he already knew that he wouldn't. Instead, he concentrated on keeping Nimue company while she fretted about her mother. It'll be all right, Dio told her. Icarus won't let anything bad happen to Calix. Nimue was miserable. What if she's already... Believe me, I'd know. He rubbed his stomach, which is where he most often felt the tug of the bond. Or perhaps he was hungry. At the reminder of the bond's existence, Nimue looked even more distressed. 
What my mother did to all of you, it's not right, is it? Dio quirked an eyebrow at her. Coming around to the Divine Kingdom way of thinking? Nimue shrugged. She released the crew to stop them getting themselves killed when the bow appeared. And look at them. They're working just the same as they were. We sailed through the night so much faster than we should have done. No one has betrayed us or hurt us. It's not very trusting, is it, to enforce a work contract with compulsion? Dio was all for the idea that it was a bad thing to perform magic on people without their permission, but I'm not sure the lesson to take away here is to start trusting everyone unconditionally. The kingdom can be a dangerous place, Nimoy. She scoffed. I've been trained in diplomacy. What's the point in even having those skills if my mother clenches her fist around the heart of everyone she meets? If she hadn't done it, he reminded her, Icarus and Valeria and Marty, at least one of them would literally have killed her. He wasn't sure why he was defending Calix, unless the Bond, of course, had its own opinions. I know, Nimoy said. I know she had to do it, but I'm starting to hate it. Would Icarus be working so hard to save her life if she hadn't compelled him into service? I would, Dio said immediately. I know, she said, patting him on the arm. And that's terribly nice of you, but I'm not sure you're typical. Icarus and Valeria held a final meeting in the cabin so that Marty could make use of her fleeting moments of wakefulness between the doses of healing potion that Olwen had insisted upon to speed her recovery. You can't kill him, Valeria said. Icarus knew he couldn't. That was the worst of it. He should have put an end to Reynard bloody Calderon back at Cask and Barrels. He was going soft. He couldn't even blame it on Calix's influence. Her magic definitely wanted him to kill the bow. But Calderon was one of them. He belonged to the Black Raven. Icarus had known him since he was a lad, or at least a swaggering teenager who thought he knew it all. Calderon wasn't doing anything wrong here. He was the one following correct procedures. It was Icarus, Mardi, and Valeria who had done all the betraying. Why can't I? Icarus said, regardless. He shot Mardi. I don't think he meant to do more than get me out of the way, said Mardi softly. Calix was his target. She's the mark. If that arrow had been over by a few inches or lower, damn it. Icarus had spent his life surrounded by dangerous and capable women. He ditched chivalry as an, an unnecessary virtue a long time ago. Even he would hesitate before shooting an arrow into a pregnant woman. Let's not pretend he isn't the best archer we've ever known, Marty reminded him. Yes, I'm aware you think he's wonderful. Normally he is wonderful, she snipped back. This has been a most unusual week. He sent Alwyn, Valeria said unexpectedly. That was a shock. Something white-hot went through Icarus. Resentment? Wounded pride. He what? Why did no one tell me? 
I didn't know, said Mardy, blinking. She's your friend. I thought she sensed you were in danger, she said to Valeria. Owls are mysterious like that. Valeria shook her head, her mouth a tight line. She tried to hide it, knew I might mistrust her. But it wasn't her god who sent her to save us last night. Her temple didn't get the message from Icarus until later. You know the feather spells are slow right now. Icarus wanted to tear down the walls of the cabin with his bare hands. Marty's been drinking her potions and Olin is in league with Calderon? Marty is going to be fine, Marty snapped. I don't love what Reynard did to me, Icarus. I don't love what he did to Valeria either. But I think it's worth noting that he went to some trouble to not kill me. He knows us too well, said Icarus. That's not good in an enemy. I don't care. Bors would hate this so much. Killing Reynard is not an option. Ugh. Marty winced and coughed, finding violets on her tongue. This fucking bond. I don't even care. There are three of us. We can save Calix without killing the bow. It would end everything across. The Black Raven would not forgive us for taking the life of one of our own, even in self-defence. We have to assume there is some hope of a future beyond Calix and her bond agreed Valeria, spitting out a few violets of her own and pulling a face at the taste. We only kill the bow if there is no other option. And it can't be either of you, Marty added. If the bow must be taken out, the only one who should risk the Black Raven's wrath is the priest about to retire. Me. No, Icarus said, you can't risk that. What if he takes the baby to punish you? Well then, none of us should kill him. Marty turned her head to Valeria, wincing a little as she shifted position on the bed, despite having every cushion in the known universe piled behind her. What did you learn from Pandemonium before Lanyard spiked your drink? Nothing good. Valeria perched on the end of the bed. Both she and Icarus were still treating Marty like she was fragile. No wonder she was so grumpy. Everyone's talking about the petal and her marriage contract and how she has the Black Raven's protection. We're the gossip of the river. Marvellous, groaned Icarus. Too much to hope that her intel was false, as the bow clearly got to her before we did. Oh no, said Valeria immediately. She was all smirky about it. Nothing Lanyet loves better than sharing information. I know when she's lying, just not when she's spiking your drink. Valeria ignored that dig with an aloof expression. I asked if she thought the palace were in favour of the match. All the high aristos end up at pandemonium sooner or later. I thought she might have heard something useful. And the thirteenth treasure is the last of the Divine King's sons. His last chance to add magic to the royal bloodline. Which is ironic, given how the King's own policies have sent magical women into hiding for generations. 
the palace are all for the match with Calix, and our presence in her retinue has kept anyone from wondering why she was left to travel south without protection. It has to have been some kind of test, Icarus muttered. Perhaps the king didn't believe she had strong enough magic. Someone wants her dead, said Mardi, yawning again. She should be dead, Icarus thought furiously. The bow had taken Calix instead of killing her there and then. Why would he do that? Why would the black raven let him? They're coming, said the bow, his gaze upriver. I know, said Calix, not bothering to look. She could feel them on their way. The threads of the bond tugging them closer. Her priests, servants, knights. She'd half expected to be tied to a mast like a heroine from an old epic poem. But the bow seemed to think he could trust her. He also seemed to think that whatever magic he had borrowed from his god was enough to keep Calix buried under it. But he had reckoned against how it would feel to have Icarus and the others this close to her, coming nearer. Never mind the River Divine with its wild magics, her strength was coming straight to her. Calix leaned against the mast. Green stems burst from the rough grain of the wood, small but fierce licks of colour. Up in the sail ropes, too high for her abductor to see them, daisies began to bloom. Calix smiled. So dramatic, groaned Valeria, when she saw the ragged, black-feathered ship tied up to the rocky island. Someone knows his ballads. Why this place? asked Nimoy. It's so exposed. Tradition, said Icarus. The cauldron and the three crows. It's where priests used to duel to prove their love and loyalty to our god. Sounds barbaric, said Nimoy. Sounds hot, said Dio, and gave an unrepentant grin when she smacked him on the arm. Oh, come on. You wouldn't swoon if two pretty people were fighting over you? Nimoy looked unimpressed. How do you know he's pretty? Dio flapped a hand in the direction of Icarus, Valeria and Mardi. All armed and dangerous. You have to assume. Look at the rest of them. Nice to be appreciated, said Valeria. Pull up close enough for us to board, Icarus called to the captain, who gave him a confused look. Board what, sir? Oh, damn it. Icarus went over to give directions, as it seemed that none of the crew could actually see the black feathered ship. Dio shivered a little, wondering why he and Nimue could. Change of plan, Icarus said a few minutes later, returning to the group. The silken hair is going to keep going down the coronas. Marty, Valeria and I will catch you up when we have Calix safe. Wait, no, Dio protested. What about me? You have no place in a death duel between priests, said Icarus. Dio felt his face go hot with embarrassment. Once again, he wasn't good enough. I'm 
bonded to Calix as much as you are, he argued. And the bond will, I am sure, be delighted at how well you protect her daughter. Dio groaned with frustration as the three assassins, all glamorous and stabby, marched off in the direction of the rowboats. Welcome to the children's table, said Nimue with a sour expression. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge, including the ebook of this very book, which, as it turns out, is a novel and not a novella. I'll see you next week.